Welcome to our dating panel. If you're staying for the panel, go ahead and find a seat. Yeah, go ahead, find a seat. Thanks, guys. Oh, this is so fun. I am so excited about tonight. I've been asking Tony to do a sermon about dating, but he refuses to do it. And so this is our compromise, doing a dating panel, which is not as fun as a sermon, but this is still a lot of fun. And so tonight for our dating panel, we're going to be a you guys have the opportunity to ask questions on anything dating. And so you can go ahead and text that number. And then I will be going through, I will get all the questions and then we will go through them. And so, so excited about that. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be able to get to all of your questions. And so I would encourage you guys to ask your campus group leaders. Your campus group leaders are amazing resources to ask these questions that don't get answered. Um, Tony, can you do me a favor? Tony, can you close the doors? Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. And so, obviously, I am not the only person on stage. There are these three amazing people next to me, and they are going to be your panelists. They are the people that are going to be answering your questions. And guys, I'm so excited that these are the people that are going to be answering your questions. They were specifically picked to be on this panel because, one, they love Jesus, and two, their lives show that they love Jesus. And I respect each and every one of these people on stage with me right now. And so lean into what they have to say because they have a lot of wisdom and truth to share with you guys. And so enough about yeah, me talking. How about you guys, panelists? Please introduce yourselves, your name, and then your relationship status. <laughs> and then also maybe a fun fact. Yeah. Sweet. Um, so I'm Jonathan uh, Bunce. Most people call me Bunce. That's my last name. Um, I am a senior at uh, the University of St. Thomas. I graduated from Edina High School about four years ago. I am engaged to... Thank you. Thank you. Uh, to the lovely Katie Gells, soon to be oh, Katie Bunce. Um, and we are getting married May 16th. So. <clears throat> okay, we have the first question. I, I just have to share it. What is Bunce's hair routine? <laughs> Can you just share with us? <laughs> no way. Um, I don't actually wash my hair very often. It's more of a two, three times a week. Uh, conditioner, sometimes shampoo. Don't overwash your hair. That's my, well, that's my thank advice. Thank you. That's true. Don't make the same mistake <laughs> I did. Oh, <laughs> um, I am Diamond. I'm on staff here with Salt Company. And my relationship status is single. Yes, we love it. My name's Terry. I do not have an aging disease. I'm just old. And I love all you guys. I'm so excited that you're here, that you're just sitting here on a Thursday night where you probably have 17 other things to do, and you're here. So we, we really want to make it worth your while. Yes. Okay. Thank you, panelists. And so the first question I have for you guys is that the Bible doesn't explicitly talk about dating. It doesn't say that word specifically because dating is a very modern concept. It wasn't around during biblical times. And so how do we navigate this? The Bible's our ultimate authority. How do we navigate something that isn't explicitly shared in the Bible? Does this, yeah, how do we navigate that? Um. I think that that one, honestly, is really simple, and, and you will easily get this. Um, you know, 
when you took arithmetic, math, in first grade, the teacher didn't try to give you every combination of numbers and additions so that you could figure out and memorize the answer. They taught you how to just put single digits together. Six and two is eight, and so on. By learning those principles, you were able to apply it to math in general, and now you're in some crazy theory math. It's just whoosh, that you wouldn't be able to explain, but you built gradually on some principles. So it's very, it's very simple, but it's not easy because God wants us to do things that are supernatural, like love our enemies and love those who don't treat us well. But simply, as it relates to dating, treat them like you would want to be treated. Just that, that Jesus had the golden rule, which was super simple. Treat other people the way you'd want to be treated. And, and maybe to expand on that a little bit, treat her or treat him like you would, like, like they were your baby sister, brother, whatever. So it's pretty simple. It's just not always easy. Yes, so good. Okay, we got a question. As Christians, what is the purpose of dating? We hear that word often, but what is the purpose of it? Yeah, I mean, I will just have to say, first and foremost, as Christians, the purpose for anything that we do is to glorify the Lord, and that is that includes dating. Um, but in short, the purpose or intention of dating as a believer is marriage, is <laughs> to pursue the God-given design of marriage. And so you can think of it as a way as like dating is a bridge or a pathway to marriage. It's not something you do just to fill the void of loneliness and it's not something you pursue so that you can satisfy your lusts and sexual desires. Um, but it's ultimately to get married. Not that every person you date or go on a date with, you'll end in marriage, but you date with the intent of marrying, which then informs who you should even consider going on dates with. Yeah, which I feel is so countercultural because I feel like right now the culture tells us that date whoever you want to date or date like for fun or if you're bored. But then as Christians, we date with the purpose of marriage, with the goal of marriage in mind. And even to add off of that, like the purpose of dating is to determine if that person is right for you to marry. Like, you are determining if this is a person that you can marry. And so with that in mind, with that purpose in mind of dating, who should we date? What are, like, traits or characteristics of someone that we should look for in a dating partner? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, the person, <clears throat> if you're a Christian and what you want to do is become more like Christ, the person you need to date has to be on fire for Christ, right? And usually you hear people say they need to be a Christian, but... Uh, like Tony was talking about, the reality is that word is so watered down uh, in our culture, and it <clears throat> really somebody calling themselves a Christian doesn't really mean a whole lot, right? So you want to look at their life <clears throat> and say, do I want to be who they are now, and do I want to be who they will be in the future, right? So the reality about somebody who, whose heart has been redeemed by Christ is that <clears throat> their life is going to constantly look more and more like Christ, Right? So if you start dating somebody who has not been redeemed by the gospel, then they will go more and more towards death and decay, not life. Right? So that's the first thing is saying, do I, do I look at them and say, I like who they are and also who they will be 50 years from now? Because marriage is not a 30-year contract. It's a lifelong uh, covenant. Um, I think culturally people always look and say, who's the person I'm most 
worldly attracted to that I can also tolerate their faith, right? So you look and say, um, who's the person I'm most physically attracted to? Who the person that I think is the coolest? Who's the person who has the most money? Who has the most security? All these things. And then you go into the faith conversation and you try to construct a faith for that person and say, well, they, you know, they were at Salt Company last week, but not this week. And they sometimes read their Bible and you're not starting in the right place. So start with saying, who is the godliest person that you know that you're also attracted to, right? So both godliness and attraction are both important, but godliness is at the top of the list and attraction honestly is, is well at the bottom. So put godliness first and you'll end up finding a great person. Yeah. I just want to add one thing that I told my kids. As you're entering into relationship dating, you're mutually attracted, you're spending time together. Are you acting like who you actually are and does the inspiration of that person make you want to be who you want to be? Because we so often in the dating game fake who we are because we want to please that person and we think we're reading. So make sure that the, that the impact on, their, on your life by them is making you who you are and who you want to be. So you're not faking it. Yeah. Okay, so if godliness is the number one trait that we're looking for in a person, how do we discern if someone is really a Christian? I feel like we all know a lot of people who call themselves a Christian, but how do we know if the person that we're dating or the person that we want to pursue relationship with is actually following Jesus? Sweet, let's go. Me again. Um, yeah, I think <clears throat> if somebody asks you, are they a Christian, and there's any hesitation at all, any hesitation, uh, or uh, they can, uh, then it's a no. It's a hundred percent a no. Um, that you know that doesn't mean it's a no for life. That means right now it's a no, a hundred percent no. Um, I don't even know if I want to go further because th that's the reality. Because um, if you are going after somebody or dating somebody where it's a, uh, then what you're saying is your attraction to that person is not based on their godly character. It's based on all these other characteristics. Because you don't even know if their godly character is there, right? So it's, it's starting again at the beginning of the question and saying, do not pursue somebody, do not be with somebody who you aren't absolutely emphatically yes about um, their godly character. Um, I think even, even some practical ones are saying, uh, are they discipled in community? So do they have mentors in their life and are they actively in community? Like biblically, there's no such thing as a Christian outside of the body of believers, outside of community, right? All of Paul's letters are written to the church, to the body of believers, right? So if there's somebody who says, I'm a Christian, yet they're not involved in the body, those things um, don't mix. Um, and then the last thing was, if, because I think I, I get this a lot, is that if you're dating somebody or you're with somebody who you're saying, okay, I don't think they're a Christian, right? I do have hesitations about this person. It's unloving to that person for them, for you to stay with them, right? What you're telling them is, I'm a Christian, but you come before God in my life, right? Um, one, that's dis dishonorable to God, but you're also showing them what it looks like to be a lukewarm Christian, right? So the most loving thing that you can do to that person is tell them, is say, I love Jesus more than I love you. And that 
if we were to have a love relationship where you don't know Christ, you're missing out on the greatest love relationship you could ever have. So you need to find that before we can have anything together. Yeah. Any other thoughts, panelists? No, that's really Yeah. That's really good. And just to like sum up what Bunce was saying, like being discipled, all that stuff, those are like actions. And when I think it comes to discerning if someone is a Christian, actions truly speak louder than words. The Bible says that we will know someone is a Christian by the fruit that they bear. And so my encouragement would be for you guys, as you guys are discerning if someone is a Christian, is to look at the fruit in their lives. Like Bunch was saying, is this person being discipled in community? Are they confessing sin? Are they actively a part? of a local church and if you're not able to say yes to those questions they might not be a Christian even though that they say they are and so that's my little thought on that guy Ooh, this is a fun question when do I know when I am ready to be in a dating relationship this is a fun question um honestly when it's not a need it's like a person and being in a relationship is just a nice to have, but not a need to have. Um, and so, yeah, I would just say the person who has a healthy relationship with the Lord, who is seeking first the kingdom of God and has healthy community, you're probably in a great place to be pursuing dating if that's what you want. Would you like to add? Just, just a slight tag on there. The most attractive thing about my now wife when I met her was I did think she was beautiful, but she was content. And I was like, wow, I don't have to be Superman. Uh, if she is attracted to me, I can just be an addition in her life. So anyway, contentment is really attractive, gals. And is it, is it true? Yes, it is. Okay, so for the person who does feel ready to date, what is the balance of being, yeah, content in singleness, but also at the same time open to a dating relationship? Mm -hmm. um, okay, first I want to say to the single person in the room who does desire dating, that de desire does not equate to discontentment. So you can desire marriage, desire God's design for marriage, um, and really want that while at the same time being content. Um, so the way to balance that, I, I don't know, I feel like it kind of goes along with the other answer is just pursue the Lord. Like be so consumed with God and holiness. And that's really just all you care about. Like he's just the true treasure of your life. And then some practical ways to like, if you feel like you're ready to date, like be open to dating. If you're a guy, be bold, ask girls on dates, like, um, <laughs> and yeah, just be open, you guys are also in such a great time where, like, there's so many, like, social events for you, like, real life is not like college, just want to tell you, and so there's such a special and unique time where there's so much opportunity to meet people, so, like, go out, go to the social events, do the things, um, Obviously, the godly things. <laughs> you don't want to go to some crazy functions. But you know what I mean. Like, go out and meet new people and have fun. Like, dating should also, yes, we should take it serious and, like, who we should date and we should be intentional. But also, like, you can have good fun with it. I hope that didn't come out wrong. But you can have fun with it. It doesn't, there's, doesn't need to be a lot of pressure. 
Yes, well said. Okay, so we're going to take a turn slightly, and we're going to talk about sex and what the Bible has to say about sex. And so what does the Bible say about sex, and how does that affect our dating relationships? Give me that mic. <laughs> all right, here we go. <clears throat> First of all, sex is God's idea. You just need to embrace that and take shame out of it. It was God's plan from day one that a man and a woman would enjoy being physically intimate. That was his plan, his purpose, his design. And he knows that it feels good, right? So um, what happened is when Adam and Eve trusted Satan, suddenly they experienced shame. Like out of nowhere. I mean, why were they insecure with their bodies? They were the original perfect design. And they experience shame right away because sin distorts everything that is God's design. And we get drawn into experiencing something that had a purpose and a plan and a time where it was best experienced. So, so keep in mind that the shameful feeling that is so often associated with sex is Satan's fault. It was God's plan for it to be wonderful. Okay, so we know that God designed sex and that it's good, but how does that, like, affect dating relationships? Like, or maybe can you explain, like, what sexual immorality is, like Tony kind of talked about tonight? Okay. I, I just mentioned that, that sex is God's idea. He had a purpose and a design for it and a time for it. Um, you know how when you're attracted to somebody and you begin to get acquainted, and the better you get to know them, the more, hmm, this could work. And you're thinking this could be long-term potentially, right? We are, we have a chemistry that is responsive to, to, to emotional intimacy, and we want to express it physically, right? Here's what I have observed in our broken state. We want to put it ahead. We want to feel that intimacy and connectedness before we have put our lives together and found out how can, can we really share life effectively? Can we communicate? Can we have hard conversations? Can we confess our weaknesses to each other? And what I have seen happen in every instance is sex that's introduced in a relationship early, it puts an immediate stop on further growth in hard conversations and genuine intimacy. And the reason God wanted it to be in marriage, he wasn't trying to keep you from having fun. He was saying, if you put it at the marriage point of your life, you will celebrate it without any shame, without any regret, and you will have had your courtship to build friendship and team and understanding and and I could go on and on and about this but I, but I really want to stick up for God's plan is not to take physical fun out of your life he just says there's a point at which you're going to need it which is marriage because marriage isn't perfect and you're going to let each other down and you're going to need sex to bring reconciliation and attraction and in all of that back together that's really what God's plan is is that it it makes your marriage even better than 
you could think it would be. Yeah, I'd even add to that. I think <clears throat> um, when you look at God's design for life, right, he created the world to be in harmony with who he is, right? So when he gives us <clears throat> seemingly arbitrary rules like don't have sex before you're married, right? It doesn't even, it doesn't say that in the Bible, right? Because that's not the principle he's getting at. He's getting at the principle of sex is meant to be good in the confines of marriage. That's not arbitrary. What he's saying is that without the lifelong commitment to somebody else, sex is always going to be selfish, not selfless, right? So whenever, um, if you're in a dating relationship or if it's a one-night stand or you're, you're having sex with somebody that's not your spouse, what you're telling that person is, I want some of you I want your body, I want the pleasure that you can give me, but I don't want all of you for the rest of your life, right? So it has to be selfish. There's no way for you to be having sex with somebody outside of marriage that you can be giving of your entire self to them. So once you're in marriage, you have the opportunity to have selfless, life-giving love towards that other person, and that's, you know, it's not, it's not arbitrary. It's, it's how God designed the world to be. Yeah, and if I could, like, just piggyback off of Buns, if I could have, like, one big theme over tonight of the dating panel, that would be that, like, God's design is for our flourishing. Like, these aren't just some, like, random rules that he's making because he just wants to make these, uh, these rules, but these rules are actually what's best for us, and waiting till marriage to have sex is actually what's best for our flourishing. And so a question, another question for you guys is how do you kind of along with this determining what is okay in a dating relationship, what is not okay, how do you determine if a physical activity is sexual? <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, this is not my line, but I heard this at a FCA camp, but I think it, I think it uh, rings true. So... Um, don't heat up the oven if you're not preparing to cook a roast. Which, <laughs> I think, I don't think I need to get more specific, but I think it'll... <laughs> oh, that is such an unfortunate analogy. Okay, um, I think what would be super helpful for people is, what's heating up the oven? <laughs> like... <laughs> And you don't have to answer this bunch if you don't want to. <laughs> I feel, I don't know. I feel like it's pretty straightforward, isn't it? No? Um, anything that brings you to the point where you want to have sex with that person is too far. Right? So anything that's making your body and your mind feel like you're ready to have sex with that person is too far. Right? So... I know how this works for guys, but I'm not, I don't, I don't know. You can, you can do that work on your own. <laughs> yeah, and just to add to that, something that I heard that was really helpful for me is, like, don't start something you can't finish, like, in when it comes to sexual intimacy. Like, when you're a Christian and you're dating, you know, it's, up, it's like, how close can I get? But that's so unloving to the other person that you're like, all right, let's, like, start something, but we're not going to go there. That's so unloving and just so unfair to both of you. So, yeah, I mean, 
I know this is not like super popular, but I think that also can include like really passionate, if we're gonna be specific, like kissing and making out. Because why are you doing that? Not to just make out and kiss. Like eventually that's supposed to lead to intimacy and sex. So yeah, that's just, those are just some helpful things to consider. <laughs> One thing that I heard that I found to be so helpful, it was actually from a student, um, one of our student leaders, Sebastian, he's so great, super wise, he's great. One thing that he said that I thought was so helpful was um, in determining when a physical activity is sexual or like not sexual, he um, was sharing how to do the family test. And so the family test is, um, what was it? The family test is determining if you would want to do that activity with your mom or dad or sister in the room. And I was just like, oh my goodness, like you wouldn't want to do a lot of things with like your mom or dad in the room. Or if you did, that would be like really weird. But, and so, and so I thought that was like so helpful. It was just like, man, we want to like honor um, our partner or whoever dating as our brother and sister in Christ. And the way that we can do that is, yeah, respecting them in that way. And so I I thought that was really helpful. So the family test, yeah. What are some, we're getting a lot of questions about physical boundaries. And so do you guys have any more tips or, um, yeah, practical tips about boundaries in a dating relationship? Yeah, even just like listening to what you were saying, I think the general reaction to that is that's crazy or like that's way too far or that's legalistic. Right, but the reality is everybody in here's perception of dating is from culture. It's from Hollywood. It's from everybody around you. And culture dates with like they're married with no commitment, right? It's cohabitation. That's that's the way everybody in culture dates. So it should look different. Right? Like all of your friends, they're going to it's just going to look different. So if you're saying, Wow, the way we're doing this is so countercultural. Like, that's crazy to not even be making out with my partner before we're married. If you, like, that's because it's good, right? And that's because um, as Christians, we're called to be counterculture and not just follow what everybody else is doing, so. I would also add, uh, like, some just, like, practical tips with boundaries is that clarity is kindness. Be as clear as possible when you are establishing boundaries with um, your boyfriend or girlfriend because when there's any vagueness, we just, like, in our sinful flesh like to take advantage of that vagueness and, like, oh, we don't, we didn't really say super clearly what we could or couldn't do, and so we're just going to do a bunch of things. And so I would say establish boundaries with a lot of clarity, and there are kind of two types of boundaries that I think are really helpful. So like the first one is like the normal like physical boundaries of like the family test. And then the second type of boundary that I found to be really helpful is uh, or are boundaries that prevent you from being in an environment that can lead to sin. And so one boundary that I had with um yeah, my boyfriend in college, but now with my husband. We uh, we never hung out in a room together with a closed door, or we never hung out in a bed together. We didn't hang out super late at night because when we are in those situations, in those environments, that just causes us to um, be more susceptible to falling into sin. And so I feel like that's really helpful or a practical tip that I thought was really helpful in dating in college was just having those two type of boundaries of one, boundaries to where, like, okay, we can't do this, this is what we're for sure not going to do, and then two, um, preventing you to um, being in environments that could cause that, and so I thought that was really helpful. Any other tips or thoughts about physical boundaries? Um, I just had a thought when it comes to purity. Know your why. 
like why boundaries are healthy and why they're important. Why should you be pursuing purity? What does scripture say about purity? I think it's really helpful to know why you should be waiting till you're married and not just like doing, but knowing why. Because I think catching God's vision for dating and for relationships and for sexual purity um, can really set you up for success instead of just like doing something because you were told that you shouldn't do it or you like grew up in church and you always heard like, yeah, it's bad to have sex before marriage. I'll never know why. So I think it's just helpful to know why and to seek scripture on that. Yeah. Do you guys have any like Bible verses at the top of your head that kind of answer that question of why? Either just this has been a life verse for me, and it applies to everything, including this, which is seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. God has made me happy, and, and it hasn't been sin. So, it's just. First uh, Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8 is, um, for this is God's will for your life, that you would abstain from sexual immorality. I just like that one because it's so clear. It's like God's will for your life is that you would abstain from sexual morality. There's no way around it. That is absolutely God's will and design for your life. I have one more, and this is kind of a positive and negative. So it's Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Um, we'll reap whatever we sow. So just just know that the choices you make will have consequences, and that is part of wisdom. You know, you're, this is about wisdom. How can we approach this arena of life wisely? And it's just know that every one of your choices will have consequences. What should a couple do if they have already fallen into sexual impurity or have had sex? Should they continue dating? This goes back to my first question is, um, the principles of the Bible. God continually has given me second chances. So you're definitely not out of his grace and his mercy because you have not trusted his design. But you need to trust his design moving forward. You're just, it's going to be harder because you have crossed a line of trust. So... Um, the question again was, should you continue dating? Yeah. Boy, that would depend on your commitment to trust God, to wait patiently for what he has promised, and, and, and be on the same page. Uh, Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, Diamond. <laughs> um, should you continue dating? I think it really depends on the relationship in the couple. Um, I think if you guys can continue to fight well and you're living in repentance and you're in community, you're going to your community when you fall into temptation, um, then, yeah, I mean, I think you could stay together. But also, I think... It could also just be wise to temporarily, like, separate. Like, not that, like, you have to break up, like, for good. But maybe you just realize, like, we are not making each other holier. We are not making each other better. And so it's actually more loving that we take a step away from this relationship and trust God with it. Yeah. This would be just, again, a principle thing. But 
let's say that you need to be on a high protein diet, but you have a sweet tooth. Would you want to work in a bakery? You know, so you're just going to have to be honest. Yeah, you could work in a bakery. And you just means you have to say no all day long. So, so you just have to apply wisdom to the next season of life. It, you're, you're still able, this is what the sermon was about tonight, is we have resurrection power. We can live in harmony with God, but you have made it harder. That's good. Yeah. I just, like, am, like, thinking of this question and, like, the person that is, like, asking this question. And I feel like there can be so much shame when it comes to, like, sexual sin or past relationships. And just want to, like, speak gospel truth over you that, yeah, no sin is too ugly. You're not too far gone for the gospel. And so that's, like, the first thing of just we recognize, like, with this specific topic, there's a lot of shame that comes from that. And there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I would also answer the question of should you continue dating? Like, if I'm thinking I'm, like, at a meetup and a girl sitting, like a, I don't know, some random girl, like Saul Kamisu, sitting across from me, I would just have a lot of questions for her. Like, my first question would be, it's like, how often are you guys falling into sin? Because if it's, like, very frequent, like, if it's almost every other time you're hanging out with them, then I would probably encourage her to um, maybe break out with them. If it's every other time you are not seeing any victory and you keep falling into sin, that would be a good point to where you might have to break up with someone. Yeah, and I think, too, no, like, this could be a good indicator of whether <clears throat> both people are pursuing purity or not. So if you find yourself in a situation where you really want to stop um, <clears throat> falling into sexual sin and this person is kind of lackadaisical about it or they're kind of just going along with where you're at, that's actually an indication <clears throat> they might not actually be a Christian and they might not be somebody for you. So I think if both parties like need to be genuinely repentant um, first. Okay, we've been talking a lot about physical boundaries, but let's touch on emotional and spiritual boundaries. What are those? What do they look like? Okay, I might pass this over to you guys for specifics because I don't have specifics that come to mind, but I'm kind of going to lump the two together and just say I think it would just be helpful to have an awareness and be mindful of the pace of your relationship. I think we can say things and talk about things prematurely um, to where our relationship is not even like able to handle that kind of level of commitment or intensity. So an example would just be like, Maybe, like, week one, you don't need to be saying that you, like, love that person um, because you don't even know them. And so that's probably very premature, and words do have weight. And I've just seen also, like, the intense, like, love bombing. We're talking about marriage or how cute our babies are, the white picket fence, everything. Um, I think that's just really intense. It could be overwhelming to the other person if that's where you are at. That's totally fine. Bring that to the Lord <laughs> and just keep that between you and the Lord. Um, and, I mean, there is an appropriate time to share those things, but I just feel like, again, I'm being, I'm overstating. But, like, day one, week one, I just think that's not an appropriate time. Um, when I think of spiritual boundaries, I think... I'm going to try to be careful with how I say this. I understand the sentiment of, like, 
we want to have a relationship founded on Christ. And so we must do all the spiritual things together. And I just don't think that's wise. Like, you do not need to be having devos together. You don't need to be having these, like, intense prayer times over one another. You are not each other's spiritual leader. Um, God calls really men. <laughs> God calls men to be specifically husbands to be the spiritual leaders of their home, and so if he is not your husband, he is not your spiritual leader, and you guys should not be relying on one another for your faith and for your personal relationship with Jesus. You should be relying on the Lord. It can just create this weird like dependency where like you seek. Um, yeah, you just seek their leadership, and you can't have a relationship without the Lord, or without them. You can't, ha- I can't talk. You cannot have a relationship with the Lord apart from them. That's a problem. And so, yeah, those are some of the things that come to mind. As far as specifics, um, if you guys have any things that you've done in your relationship, like have actual emotional and spiritual boundaries, feel free to share that. Um, I think, I mean, you talked about a little bit with I love you personally. Um, I think the the phrase I love you is used more of I have passion for you rather than I'm committed to you, right? So when you're telling somebody that you love them in a biblical sense, what you're telling them is I am committed to you, that I not only am in love with you, but I am choosing to love you for the rest of our lives. So for me, I think telling somebody I love you before you're ready to marry that person, <clears throat> I think is crossing a, a, a boundary there. Um, that's, that's just my opinion, though, so don't take it too far. Um, uh, yeah, you mentioned it. Like, you are not that person's discipler, right? So uh, dating is the stage where you are deciding whether you want to marry that person. It's not your opportunity to, you know, disciple the other person, right? So in marriage, you guys are each going to be discipling each other um, in different ways. I don't know. I'm not married yet. But in dating, that's not your, um, that's not your role or your calling. Okay, guys, I'm super excited about this question. What are your thoughts about dating apps slash online dating? Yeah. Oh, man, dating apps. Um, Honestly, you guys, I feel like for your age and your stage of life, they're just not necessary. I think, um, I mean, obviously, this is my opinion. So, like, if you are on dating apps and you love it, that's great. But I just don't think it's super necessary um, in your stage of life. I think... Like I said earlier, like, go to the social things, go to church, be in community, and do whatever you can to just meet people organically and who are in proximity to you. Um, That would be, like, my opinion for everyone in this room. (laughs) I don't know if you guys have anything on dating apps. They're not right or wrong. It's not sin or not sin. So there's freedom in that. Yeah, I would just say if you're trying to find the godliest person you know that's going to be difficult when you're meeting them online so i would say probably the better way or a more ideal way is to have a relationship with that person where you know their friends you know them you know their community you know who disciples them so you actually can know that person on a deeper level other than they put on their bio that they do this that and forth Yeah, that's really good. I loved what Bun said that, like, it's just so hard to actually know someone while you're, like, pursuing them online. And I would, like, in my personal opinion, and 
Yeah, I would actually never encourage like a Salt Lake student or a college or anyone in college to do a dating app or to pursue a relationship on a dating app. And the reason for that is because, like Ben said, it's just so hard to like know that person. And you guys are also around people all the time. And so my encouragement would be a dating app should be kind of like a last resort when like you're in like. I don't know, your late 20s and your early 30s, where all you're doing is like going to work and then coming back home because your social network is so much smaller and you need help meeting people. But in college, meeting people really isn't a problem at all. And so, yeah, that would be my encouragement. Okay, this one's fun too. How should a woman today go about dating? Should she wait for the guy to pursue her or should she make the first move? Oh, um, I am very traditional, so I would say let him pursue. Um, I think <laughs> more guys need to be clapping. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I just also think men and women are just created and built differently um, by God's design, and men are initiators. Um, I think that's just like in their <laughs> biological design as well. It's not like wrong as a female to initiate or pursue, but I would just say choose your battles. Um, if you're the one pursuing and initiating, I would maybe have questions of like, am I dating or pursuing a passive man? Um, and you don't want that in your marriage. And so, <laughs> sorry, that, that's just, that's I don't good. know, that's how I see it. But I also would like to say, I don't think it's wrong as a girl. I hear this from guys all the time, so I'm just quoting other guys here. So please forgive me if you're a guy. But I, the word on the street is guys are kind of dumb. Like they don't know, like they don't, they don't get it. They don't get it. I don't know. Other men have said this. Oh, the me. women are nodding their heads. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think sometimes, like, guys are just not on the same wavelength as you. And so nothing's wrong with, like, in a respectful way, putting yourself out there or, like, making it known that, like, you're open or you're interested, but then letting them be the one to actually, like, pursue, if that makes sense. So sorry, guys. <laughs> just my input on this and my my recollection of when I was your age, you guys out there, is that I I was a warrior in my mind and and in a sports arena I was, but as it related to initiating relationship with a girl, I needed pretty much a I needed to know she was gonna say yes before I even asked. Because it was, I was so insecure and vulnerable about getting a no. I would think, I'm not worthy. I'm a wimp. I'm a, you know, and and so, I'm encouraging you guys that um, be the warrior in relationship that you are in other arenas of your life. Get out there and ask. It's not a big risk. It's not as big a risk as I thought it was in my brain. So let's go. Girls wouldn't need to ask if you guys were asking. That's good. Thanks, Terry. That was a good word. <laughs> okay. Oh, also, can I add one more thing? Yes. Um, this seems so obvious, but if you are that guy and you're like, hey, great, like, I want to do that, use the word date. Like, have clarity. 
there's been so many times that I've also experienced. <laughs> what? Um, okay, so this actually is like personal experience. I feel like sometimes I've been bamboozled into dates because they didn't actually use the word date. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I'm literally on a date right now. They're just like, oh, like, can we hang out sometime? Or like, oh, I don't know. It's just like very vague. It's very vague. And so I just think clarity is kindness, like Julie said earlier. So use the word date. Don't be weird about it. And just be bold. <laughs> Should I stop sleeping in the same bed before marriage? Wait, can you repeat that? Yes. Should I stop sleeping in the same bed? I'm guessing like with her boyfriend or girlfriend before marriage. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Sleepovers with your boyfriend or girlfriend is just not a good idea. Even if you're like, oh, but we're not like sleeping together, um, eventually it will lead to that. And if it doesn't, I would question, should you even be with that person? Like, if you aren't attracted to them physically, if it's not a temptation, then maybe you should not be dating that person. Um, but I find it really hard to believe that you're not tempted if you're in the same bed together. Because, um, yeah, it just eventually leads to that. It's not wise. Um, I understand maybe the sentiment of it, but it just really isn't wise and it's not going to set you guys up for success yeah sleeping in the same bed is so weirdly intimate like when you think about it you are most vulnerable when you're sleeping because you're kind of like in this like eight hour coma every single night it's so weird but it is so intimate to sleep in a bed with someone else and so you might not be crossing physical boundaries but you might be crossing emotional boundaries like the only person that you should be sleeping in a bed with is like your husband like your spouse and so I would say yeah it's not a good idea not wise what is the best way to ask a girl out that honors both her and God You two have experience in this, so you got it. <laughs> well, I, I think she already honestly answered the question. Just have clarity. Hey, I would love to get to know you better. Could we spend some time together? And, and what would, how would that look for you? Do you want to get a meal together? Do you want to go on a hike? You know, what, go to a concert and, and then whatever. But just have clarity. I, I don't think it needs to be... You'll be, you'll be pleasantly surprised at how often your honesty and, and upfrontness will be respected. Yeah, agreed. I think the only thing I would add is just make sure you're clear about being exclusive right away as well. So it's clear that, <clears throat> like, don't uh, play the game of talking for such a long time and not asking him on the date because you just want to talk to multiple people. So be clear and concise with that person, what your intentions are, and that you're exclusive and that you want to date them right away. Don't just wait for months because you're scared to commit. I have, I have a thought on this. It, it also can be literally, I just want to get to know you better. I don't know if this is headed toward marriage, but could we just spend some time together getting acquainted because what I know of you so far, I admire. I like what I see, but uh, let's just get better acquainted. It, it really, you don't have to, ha a date doesn't mean pre-engagement. It just means get acquainted. 
That's good. Okay, this is going to be our last question for the night. I know we weren't able to answer all of them. So I would encourage you guys to ask your campus group leaders all your guys' questions. They're an amazing resource. And so the last question for us, I feel like this is a good one. What if I'm nervous I won't find the right person? Oh, wait. I actually love this question. Um, hmm. Honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is there is no right, perfect one. And so if that is your question, you might be asking that for the rest of your life. Because it's this mythical, <laughs> I appreciate the feedback. <laughs> Sorry, that was really funny. Um, yeah, it's just this, like, mythical like Hollywood fairy tale that there's one person out there for you. The person that's for you is the one that you choose. It's the one that you say yes to for the rest of your life. Um, and so I wouldn't be worried about that. <laughs> I think there's a liberty and freedom in the fact that there isn't just one person for you. I mean, there is, and that person is Jesus. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, and so if you have that person, you're good. You're good. And whether or not marriage is in the cards for you, I think maybe is the question that you're wondering. Um, because you already found the person that you were made for and created for, you'll be okay if marriage is not in the cards for you. Um, so, yeah, I hope that's helpful. But there is not the right one or the perfect one out there for you. And... Just wait and trust in God's timing. If that's something you do desire is marriage, that's not a bad desire. Just trust in the Lord. Just, this is just a quick closer for me. Um, one of my girls thought that she would never miss a guy. She had dated a number of good guys, and they really genuinely were good guys. But out of sight, out of mind. She just literally thought, I don't know if I'll ever miss someone when they're gone until she met Jake. And they're married now. Uh, so you, there will be, there will be a sense of if, if God can open this door and if she can give me a chance, I would like to spend life forever with her as best friends. So, so don't get married just to get married. If you can live without him or her, do it. <laughs> do it. Because uh, it can be very lonely in an unhappy marriage. So, uh, yeah, marriage will not solve your life's problems. It's just a, it's a great friendship to share life's problems with. So, Yeah, even just, uh, I think, uh, The Meaning for Marriage by Tim Keller, uh, like we talked at the beginning. That's a good book. Um, the more that you, you know, look at what marriage is and the purpose for marriage and the design for marriage, the more it will impact how you look at a um, potential person to date or potential spouse. So it will change so much of what you think about dating when you look under it, the, the biblical view from marriage down. And that's just an amazing book. And I would, um, if I could go back, I would read it when I was 17 years old in high school. And I think it would have, um, yeah, helped a lot.
Sweet. Okay, so those are all the questions that we have time for. And so thanks so much for coming to the dating panel. Yeah, let's give a round of applause to our panelists. Weren't they so amazing and so helpful? Okay. Just one quick note, if you could do us a huge favor, and you see these like black folding chairs, if you guys could help us just fold them up and lean them against the wall, that would be, we would be so grateful for that. And so we'll see you guys next week.